0: Welcome back, Mighty Vandals to Tubbs of the Club, your your University of Idaho affiliate on the Big Sky Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brian Marceau, joined by producer. Sometimes he has a separate hobby I'm not allowed to talk about anymore. <laughs> producer Martin Heemstra, home down in Moscow. How's it going?
1: It's going good. It's I'm excited for homecoming week. I am it's it's exciting. I've already seen people lining up in the dome, get inside the dome already because of how busy it's gonna be this weekend. I am Very excited.
0: Yeah, Jason Mayer in the comment section already saying he's standing in line to get inside before kickoff. And look, before we even talk about the game, you guys already know the game's game's sold out, which means it's going to be the best dome environment since Idaho came back to the big sky in 2018. So, uh, yeah, facilities is not going to be – they're not going to be ready to handle this type of line whatsoever. I'm fine saying that right now. So, yes, get in line as quick as you can. We are joined today – our brain, at least for Montana football. If you're watching, you get to see beautiful fall Missoula going by <laughs> Colton Juana from Skyline Sports MT in the background. Uh, Colter, you're on your way to Macklemore, but you're helping us out here. How's it
2: going? Great, man. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, excited to be here. And uh, yeah, I mean, it finally turned. It's been like a long summer uh, after a rainy start to the summer. So now it's fall in Missoula for sure. But uh, happy to be here. and Thanks so much for having me.
0: Yeah, we're stoked to have Coulter on for as long as he can make it. Uh, he, like I said, he's on his way to see Macklemore. I actually just went to see Macklemore last night, sold out in Spokane. Uh, it, look, we're a sports podcast, but if you live in the Northwest, get your ass to see Macklemore if you can. Uh, it's, it's, seeing him in the Northwest is different. But we're here to talk the Little Brownstein game. Number three, Idaho hosting number it's 16, I believe, University of Montana. Both teams at five and one. Uh, not exactly equal five and ones, I'm going to say, but look, this is Easily the game of the week in, F- in the FCS. So, hey, we're uh, Tubbs of the Clubs brought to you by Snick River Stampede Canadian Whiskey. We're going to talk about, Mon- give a quick background on Montana, then, then throw it to Coulter to walk us through the ins and outs of this Chris team. But look, set the stage, 2022, Montana goes 8-5 and five overall, finishes 4-4 four and four in the Big Sky. They make it to the FCS playoffs, go 1-1, one one, beat SEMO at home 34-24 in the first round, then lose at North Dakota State 49-26 in round two. Now 2023, like I said, said those grizz are five and one right now, four and one versus the FCS. They're two and one in the big sky. They hold big sky wins over Idaho State, 28-20 in Missoula. And last week, Montana beat Davis in Davis, 31-23. Their one big sky loss was to NAU a few weeks ago, 28-14. But this this Grizz team does look like they've probably turned a corner since that NAU game. Uh Bobby Hauk is in stint number two coach in Montana. His first stint was one of the most uh, successful coaching runs in Big Sky Conference history. From uh, 2003 2009, amassed an 80 and 17 overall record, including 47 and 6 in Big Sky play. Made that had se- has seven conference titles in that run. So every single year in re- in his first stint, Bobby Hauk How- Hauk is a conference champion. Also made it to three national championships, finished runner-up in all three of those years, 2004, 2008, 2009. He takes a few-year stint at UNLV from 2010 to 2014, goes 15-49 and 49 overall, did have uh, his highlight was going 7-6 and six in 2013, made a bowl game that UNLV lost, but otherwise Hawk won two games every single other year at UNLV. Flash forward to stint two at Montana starts in 2018. Uh, so, that's five or six seasons, depending on how you count Montana going kind of two and one in their COVID year. But in Stint 2, Howick's sitting at 41 and 18 overall. Uh, he made his Montana's made the playoffs the last three normal seasons, he made it to the second round last year's reference in both uh 2019-2021. Montana makes the FCS quarterfinals. So look, that's the Bobby Houck background, which is just to say he's kind of a Montana institution. He's been he was great instant one and hey, still pretty good instant two, but Coulter, you've been on the shelf. What What is it that stands about, out about these Montana Grizzlies?
2: Well, when it comes to Coach Howe, it's such an interesting deal because the the expectation of excellence has been a part of Montana football for a good 30 years now, and the The person that like perpetuated that the most is Bobby Houck. He took over a program that had won a national championship two years prior to him taking it over. So you know, some the pundits, the naysayers would say he just got the keys to the Cadillac and he kept it rolling. Well, that's not an easy task. You know, Montana had won five straight conference championships before Bobby Houck took over. He still won seven more after that. I mean, that's the big sky record. I don't know that if that's ever going to be touched again. 12 straight conference titles. So, I mean, that, that's a big part of the legacy. Bobby Hauck also had an attitude the first time around where we're the Grizz and you're not. And that's how we're going to treat everybody. And uh, it worked to glorious fashion the first time around. His famous and then somewhat infamous quote when he first got rehired was the only difference in the big sky conference since the last time I was here is that Montana's not on top of the league. And other than that, we're going to get Montana back on top of the league and we're going to roll. And uh, that's been elusive. They have not won the league since Bobby Houck returned. They in fact have not won the league since Bobby Houck's last season at the help. And I wonder if sometimes some of that was a, a misestimation on his part. I mean, not to dog on anybody by name, but, Right now, I would say every institution in the Big Sky Conference has a better head coach right now than they did when Bobby Houck was in the league the first time around, with the exception of probably Weaver State and, and maybe Sac State. And that's only because Jay Hill and Troy Taylor, respectively, are the two greatest coaches in those schools' histories. And so the guys taking over for them, you know, have, have a lot to, to step into maybe Chris ball at Northern Arizona. Um, certainly um, Jerome Sowers was good. Uh, regardless, Bobby Hauk's not coaching against John Zamberlin and Steve mushegi and, and Jerry Glanville and, and, you know, kind of this, this, this haphazard group of coaches. So that's part of it. And, you know, there, we could get into all of the other details about all of the back end of all of this, but everything in life is all about timing. And Bobby Houck, when he had the job from 2003 to 2009, there were so many things that went in his favor, including that so many of the guys that were coming out of the state of Montana at that exact moment, guys that he recruited as walk-ons or personal scholarship guys, were insanely talented and then became NFL players. The, the the talent that Mon- the state of Montana is producing now, still good, but you're not seeing Croy Bierman and Colin Dow and Lex Hilliard and Chase Reynolds and Mark Mariani. So that, that's a part of the story as well. So that, that's all to say that if Montana hadn't had the success that it did for so long, and if they didn't have this guy who elevated the bar like Bobby Houck did, then round two of Bobby Houck would not be s- scrutinized as much as it has been. But when you get the job and you say what you said when you got the job and then, you know, hashtag RTD, I see that one up on the screen, and you're talking about returning to dominance, you know, and then and then you go out and, you, and you, you, you've been good, certainly better than most Big Sky pro- programs, but you haven't been what you once were. I mean, that's the entire story of the University of Montana Athletic Department, living in their own shadow. How do they emerge from – how do they embrace the history, embrace the legacy, embrace the tradition, but also live in the modern era? It's been a big challenge for Montana. So that's all to say that this Grizz team, living in Missoula, broadcasting from Missoula right now, uh, has been one that many, 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 many Grizz fans have been apprehensive and, uh, dare I say – Doomsday scenario about, but then the whole thing changed, and they won a ranked game on the road last week, and now all of a sudden we got two five and one teams. I mean, you mentioned that maybe not two five and one records that were created equally, but it's still two top fifteen teams in the FCS, and uh, it's going to be interesting because I, I do think that regardless of the flaws of the Grizz, which we'll certainly get into, Bobby Ax is going to have his team ready to go. Yeah and look you you nailed it to me
0: tonally about what happened with Montana beating Davis last week of suddenly two two back-to-back wins and to me looking much more like the Grizzlies I expected to see earlier against Davis than like against Idaho State. Um I th- I think that at the at least from the Idaho end has turned this game from what I mean a lot of Vandals thought this was going to be a walkover early to Okay, look, hey, Montana, Montana's number 16 ish. That's a pretty damn good team. Uh, defensively, when Bobby Howick's teams have, I, I feel like this is not a secret. Correct me if I'm wrong, Coulter. Uh, you go to Bobby Howick press conferences, so you're used to corrections. But
2: uh, <laughs> yeah. even if they're inaccurate. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, I listened to the last one, man. Um, Montana likes to get to the quarterback, man. They're, they definitely want to get pressure on, they're going to want to get pressure on Javani McCoy who are the guys Idaho fans should be paying attention to on the defensive side of the ball for Montana?
2: It's such a good question because this entire three, three, five stack defense that Montana runs is predicated on bringing the heat, right? They want to erase your run game, erase it. Their goal is 50 yards rushing or less. What, what I, what did Idaho have last year? 34. I mean, They did that last year to the Vandals. I do think that Idaho's run game has massively improved this year. I actually think that's the whole key to Idaho, which I'm sure we'll get into later on. But they want to race your run game, and then they want to heat you up. They're going to blitz 65% of the time. They're going to try to hit the quarterback on every single uh, drop back. That's where Giovanni McCoy completely torched Montana last year is he was able to step in the pocket, take a hit, And throw through coverage. I mean, he had two different touchdowns. I mean, there's that clip that went viral today where Joe Chauk says, I'd only made two plays last year when Patrick O'Connell was hitting Giovanni McCoy and he just threw touchdowns. Well, it's like, well, that's okay. If they only made two plays, those are also the two plays that won the game. So those are the two plays you need to make. But regardless. um, yeah, Hashtag
0: empty calories, right? (laughs)
2: I almost asked Jason Egg about empty calories today, but I just couldn't bring myself to do it. Either way, though, Montana has not been able to do that this year, though. They have zero sacks in the Big Sky Conference play. Zero. That's crazy. Coming into last week, they hadn't had a two-game stretch with zero sacks in 17 years. I don't know what the, the statistic is for three games straight, and this is with multiple coaching staffs, multiple schemes, defensive coordinators, all that. But this Grizz team's whole identity defensively, at least, was predicated on getting pressure on the quarterback, hitting the quarterback. Well, last week in the second half against UC Davis, I saw him pressure a lot less, especially in the interior. Montana sends its two inside guys a lot. Double A gap blitz is what they call it. Well, that has not. Been as effective because those guys just aren't as good of pass rushers as, you know, Dante Olson, who's a Buck Buchanan award winner, Marcus Wilno, who's a multiple time all big sky guy, Jason Lewis, who's a multiple time all big sky guy. So that's all to say that when it comes to who should Idaho fans be watching defensively, first of all, it all comes down to 99, the big guy in the middle, Alex Gubner. He's the best interior defensive lineman in the league. He's not going to make a lot of plays because all he's trying to do is cause chaos, but he's the sort of straw that stirs the drink. Their best pressure guy is Riley Wilson, number 42. Uh, He's a transfer from Hawaii, but he's also had a hard time getting in a rhythm because he, uh, he hurt his ankle early and then he got a concussion. So he didn't play for a couple games. So he's still trying to find his way back into it. Um, But, if Montana doesn't blitz as much with their inside guys, those inside guys are actually way better at roaming on the middle of the field, tackling in space, all that. So Braxton Hill, who's number thirty-five, uh, he's very good. Of course, number thirty-seven on Montana—that's their legacy number. That's the one you're always gonna want to watch, no matter what. Levi Janikaro, he's good too. And then on the outside, both their corners, eight Corbin Walker, twenty-seven Trevor Gad- Gradney—they're both—they're uh, both good too. This Grizz, this is, this is what I'm talking about though. When it talks about when I'm talking about like the weight of expectations and the the history of the past, this Grizz defense is very good. If you if you analyze it just through this defense, it's good. It's probably one of the better defenses in the Big Sky. It's not nearly as talented as last year's defense, and it's nowhere close to one of the great defenses in Grizz history. So that's what they always deal with is you know comparing and contrasting, but. Uh, the Chris defense I think is solid. I do think they'll be able to give at least a little bit of resistance to Idaho's prolific offense. Well, and
0: I guess the, the, the area I'm paying attention to is Vandal fan where I, I'd say it's a Montana strength on Idaho weakness right now is, I think it's not a secret. We'll, we'll talk when we talk about offense, uh, Idaho's a much more explosive scoring team than Montana thus far. Oh yeah. But Mon, uh, defensively, Montana forces turnovers and For offensively, sure. um, Idaho, in particular, through fumbles and also weirdly wide receiver fumbles, um, Idaho's been given the ball away a lot more than you'd expect relative to being number three in the nation. What so? What in your mind, Coulter, makes Montana so effective at, at taking the ball away?
2: Well, such a good question because Montana, within the scope of this three-three-five scheme, has played nothing but quarters or man-to-man since Bobby Halk got back and when they first got back they didn't have the corners to do that then they got some stud corners including Justin Ford who uh you know I mean got into an NFL camp yeah he's a, he's a borderline pro he's, he's very good player transfer from Louisville so they were and, and you know he's a he's an interception machine he had like nine picks his junior year so they had the dudes to do it well, with the retirement of defensive coordinator Kent Bear and the promotion of the new defensive coordinator Ronnie Bradford Bradford played in the league for 10 years. He I mean he has the rare distinction of picking off John Elway in the Super Bowl. He played for the Atlanta Falcons in that 98 Super Bowl. He picked off John Elway, so he's got that going for him. But I mean he he also is a pro level defensive back who also coached DBs at USC. So he has that acumen also, their defensive analyst is Tim Houck, who's widely considered one of the great Grizz players of all time, played in the NFL for 13 years. He's Bobby Hawk's older brother. Those guys have implemented a bunch of really complicated and really complex coverage schemes on the back end. I think that part of Montana's ability to force turnovers is that the first month of the season, people didn't really know what they were doing in terms of coverages and stuff. They also, you know, when you play cover two, It's a risk-reward defense. But when you're playing Butler and you're playing Utah Tech and you're playing Ferris State, those guys aren't really going to run by you. That's my biggest key to this game defensively for the Grizz is if they're sitting in cover two, they're sitting in cover three cloud, they're doing all these coverage combo things, that's all fine and dandy. What's their communication like and how much can Hayden Hatton and Jermaine Jackson and uh, Trinidad's trainer rip that apart? I mean, Hayden Hatton is like the quintessential receiver to rip apart a zone defense because he's so big, he runs such great routes, he can box you out, all that sort of stuff. So, um, I, I think that that could be an advantage. Or, though, if, if you confuse the quarterback, now all of a sudden you can bait him into it. I do think the baiting and the surprise has been the key to Montana forcing so many turnovers,
0: yeah. And for, look, from the Idaho end, um, the Vandals have been much stronger in run blocking than in pass blocking. Pass blocking has been the one area that at times uh, I can feel myself getting a little anxious about um, Idaho as a number three, three team and projecting what that can, that we hope means once we hit playoff time. And I mean, look, we we even, we saw it a little bit against Cal Poly when Giovanni McCoy threw his, his one pick and look the Cal Poly game was never in doubt. Idaho beat the shit out of them, but uh, McCoy made, made his mistake when Cal Poly's, Bass Rush was able to beat Idaho's line. Uh, you you got to expect that. That's part of what ha- – how I mean, you already brought up, Coulter. That's part of what Montana wants to do, as in what Montana wants their DNA defensively to be. Um, on the offensive side of the ball, I feel that it's worth completely throwing out the first four games, talking about Montana, and looking just more narrowly at how the Grizz had been with Clifton McDowell starting full-time.
2: Uh, totally in agree. Uh,
0: in particular, the Idaho State game and last week UC Davis. Uh, tell us, tell us what what Vandals are going to see out of not only just Clifton McDowell, but generally speaking, the offense that Montana's going to run. Which look, we know it's going to be run heavy to some extent because, like, hey, but this that's not a secret. That's what Bobby Houck has always wanted to do. The joke I made earlier about, about empty calories had to do with an old Idaho press conference. Um, uh, sorry, a Montana press conference talking about the Idaho game where. Passing stats were understood as empty calories, uh, which to say if a coach is going to talk dismissively about passing yards being empty calories, even when those lead to points, you can guess what the guy wants to
2: do. (laughs) It's so true. It's such a funny way of thinking about the world. You know, I mean, total tangent, but one of the the things that's been so funny about Coach Houck's return is his dead set and steadfast belief that he can and will win a national championship without an elite quarterback. He like truly wants to prove to the world that he can do it. Right, I, I've asked him multiple times, what do you want the quarterback's role to be on your team? How do you hope that guy encompasses it? He's like, yeah, if he's a leader, that's great. If he's not, that's fine. We'll figure it out. We'll, we have other leaders. It's such an interesting way of thinking about it. An interesting way is a a, a, a nice way of saying antiquated way of thinking about it. But regardless, um, I totally agree with you. I think you got to throw out anything you saw the first four games of the year. I mean, they were they were back and forth, no confidence instilled in any of the guys, uh, either the quarterbacks or really any of the offensive guys. Period. During the non-conference. And then they go to NAU and they try to let Sam Vidlak roll and they can't protect him at all. He gets sacked eight times. He throws picks and it, it doesn't work out at all. So then they go with the big boy, Clifton McDowell against Idaho state. They looked a little clunky, but they were able to get it done and they, they, they established and then leaned into an identity, which that's big time. That's what you need to do. No matter what your offensive scheme and desires are, uh, and I thought that they're, they're what, what amounted to the game ceiling drive against Idaho State then sparked what you saw last week at UC Davis. And I actually thought that they made some great adjustments last week against Davis. They implemented some screen stuff. They um, got their receivers open in space. It's also interesting because Coach Houck used to always favor big possession receivers that maybe weren't that fast but were really strong. And that caters to the run game. It also caters to just getting off of jams and one on ones and all that. Well, now I mean, truly, three of the most talented players on the Grizz are Keelan White, number six; Junior Bergen, number five; and Aaron Fonts, on uh, number fourteen. Well, those guys are all about six foot. I mean, I guess White and Fonts are about six foot one seventy five, and Bergen's about five nine 175. one seventy five. They're electric, fast. They're all four or four guys, but they don't have that big that you know the 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 strength and the and the mass. Well, those guys were having a hard time getting off of jams and getting off of the top of their routes. I mean, Idaho has such good, such a good secondary. I'd say that's the strength of their defense. So that'll be interesting. But those guys, Fonson and White particularly, they got off their jams. They started making plays on the ball, and that's why they threw the, the ball way better last week. But all of that was opened up by the screen game and, and some of the misdirection stuff they were doing. And, you know, their rushing yard total last week was kind of deceiving because they they rushed for 180-something yards, but 85 of them came on one carry. But that one carry was set up by Davis packing nine the box all day long, and then all of a sudden they hit this backside pitch, Eli Gilman to the house. So that's all to say that in my long time covering the Grizz, especially these last several years, they have almost completely refused to make adjustments. They truly thought that it was just all about we're going to be tougher than you. Hat on a hat, we're going to blow you off the ball. If we're not running the ball, it's because we're just being soft. Well, they finally realized like, that there's more to football than that in the modern era. Let's make some adjustments. Let's get let's get our guys in space. And I thought they did a good job of that last week. So we'll see, though, because now that's new. There is a small sample size, but the element of surprise is gone. So I think Rob Arch and the, the defensive staff at Idaho is going to have a gauge on that and kind of know where they're at in terms of these are the things we need to take away. And and uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see the chess match. Yeah, Clifton McDowell, so
0: senior starting quarterback, he's a transfer from central Arkansas, correct? Uh, by way
2: of Kilgore JC, by way of Louisiana Lafayette. So, yes, this is his fourth school in oh this Okay, in he's this a journeyman. crazy transfer. He's a yeah. journeyman quarterback. Yes, he has yeah. played more snaps the last uh, month. Than he did his entire college career before this, so I that that you know that tells you uh, several things. Why wasn't he playing at the other places? That's weird. That's a concern. But on the other hand, like the guy never got a chance to get in a rhythm. He finally has gotten a rhythm. He's finally the guy. So how does that affect the way he performs? We'll see. Yeah, he's six four,
0: listed at two twenty four. He now different than than someone like Caden Bennett for Sacramento State. Clifton McDowell, relative to a quarterback, is more of a power rusher. He's tougher to bring down. He's less likely to make to, you know, get around the corner and beat people with his speed, but he's, he's tough to take down. That's why he gets yards rushing. As a passer, from what I've seen, and again, Coulter, correct me if, if I'm seeing something wrong. I don't consider Clifton McDowell to be that much of a threat to uh, beat Idaho deep. As I don't think he's that accurate, a deep ball passer, but he, he's fine in the short game. And sure, Montana has the receivers to turn short passes into intermediate games or more. Uh, But weirdly, with how big the guy is, his throws actually remind me a ton of Mason Petrino and that I can feel myself (laughs) as I can feel myself think as the ball is floating towards the receiver. But hey, the stats in the last two games for him are fine against Idaho State, 13 of 20 for 160 yards and a touchdown, no picks. Also, uh, 66 yards rushing and a touchdown on the ground against Idaho state. Then last week, 18 of 32, that blew me away. The fact that he got 32 pass attempts against Davis for 243 yards, three, three touchdowns, zero picks, and then 10 carries for 49 yards. So he is a guy who can beat you. He he's doing well, well enough, obviously. Uh, he's picked up two wins in his, in these two starts. So I guess we're, we need to pivot to the Idaho end in a second, Coulter. But first, got to hear from show sponsor, Snake River Stampede Canadian Whiskey. Martin, glad I gave you no notice for that. So no matter which option you go with Snake River, it's not possible to go wrong. So if you go with the Snake River Stampede, That is double barrel finish first in first fill bourbon barrels, then finished in Oloroso sherry casks. If you want to celebrate the win, which, you know, Idaho picks up a homecoming win against Montana, that might be a 1915 small batch night. The small batch from Snake River, it's aged an additional two years, and its double double barrel finish is first fill bourbon and then ex-Canadian rye casks. Either one is one of the best buys you can get in Idaho State Liquor Store. So if you haven't given Snake River Stampede a shot, do it this week. So Coulter the Idaho end. What do you think Jason Eck is going to be trying to pick to focus on for, for Idaho this year, if they're going to, or this weekend, if they're going to in front of that sold out Kibby dome, come away with Idaho's fourth quality win on their playoff resume.
2: It's a great question. First of all, look at you. You're like a radio pro. That was a, that was a great live read. I'm, I'm proud of you guys. You guys got sponsors. You're, Doing it up for the people, I love. It. Let's
0: let's just say I've spent a lot of time researching Snake River Stampede.
2: <laughs> it is very easy to endorse products that you very much like. I love that. Uh, by the way, I'm finally to the uh, the press box, which is at the corner of uh, the University of Montana campus. So that's where the uh, the concert is tonight. And so, us give them a free endorsement. If you're ever if you're an Idaho fan ever in uh, Missoula. It's a great place to get some food, maybe a beer, before the game. <laughs> they're one of my good clients, so I'm saying what's up. Uh, I have a Modelo in front of me because I am not a uh, whiskey aficionado. Um, but to answer your question, what's Idaho going to try to do? I think they're going to try to exploit – or first of all, I think they're going to try to figure out the coverages on the back end for the Grizz, and then they're going to try to exploit those coverages. And when you have – see, here's the thing that I think that Idaho does better than anybody in the league football has become so much about scheme and it's become so much about the coaches obsessing about what they do and their importance within the the results of the game. Right. But if you have better players than everybody else, that's the best coaching you can do. And guess what? Idaho has four of the best offensive players in the conference. And when you put them all together, that makes it the best offensive unit. And I had actually said they have five of the best offensive players in the conference. And if you throw Nick Romano in there, they're probably six of the top, what, 25? I don't know. But Romano is, you know, Romano has started a lot of schools. He's really good. So, you know, they have a lot of great, great talent. And uh, so I think they're going to try to fill it out a little bit and then take their shots when they need to. And uh, it'll be interesting to see if Montana blitzes more, blitzes less. If they're not getting home, they can't blitz like they did last year because McCoy will just tear them apart, and they just have too many mismatches on the one-on-ones. On the other side, Idaho's going to be ready to roll when it comes to stopping Montana's run game. They'll know about the screen game now because it's not a secret anymore. So to that, Montana has a huge advantage in the kick game every single week. Guess what? There's only two teams in the top ten in all the special teams analytics in the country right now that are from the Big Sky Conference. It's Montana and Idaho. So Idaho has a plan for that too. I talked to Jason Eck today; he totally has a plan. So uh, I don't know. It's going to be an interesting chess match. I know that there's some people in the Big Sky that think that Idaho is going to absolutely roll in this game. I actually thought that too two weeks ago, but I think that Montana is going to come on in. With this underdog mentality to try to junk it up, and they're gonna to try to pull an Idaho on Idaho. Idaho did this exact thing to Montana last year. I think Montana's gonna try to do that exact same thing to Idaho this year.
0: Yeah, I think for Montana, they're gonna they're gonna want this game to be a lower scoring affair. Because if it's not, that means Idaho's gonna have the ball for 37 minutes. And right, Idaho is one of one of the things that to me is so damn impressive about Idaho is how disciplined. Eck has been since snap number one that they're going to take that play clock all the way down every single time. And Idaho has not had, and they haven't had this avalanche of timeouts because uh, you know, they're, they're running up against a layup game. This is just, this is just what Eck wants to do. And they've been pretty damn good about doing it since day one. Yeah. The other, the other thing for Idaho offensively uh, throw back to you in a second Coulter, is each week, I I want to say Idaho is gonna gonna exploit exploit teams through the air because like you said Colter I mean Idaho has to me easily the best receiving room in, in the league their top three receivers of like you re- re- referenced Hatton Jermaine Jackson Terrest Trainer all three of those guys are former All Big Sky level receivers you know Jermaine Jackson Hatton are first team from last year Teres Trainer's third team from uh, twenty I think twenty twenty one so look they have mismatches there. But also, hey, every time Jason Eck talks, he talks about the run game. And Idaho right now in Big Sky Conference play uh, between Anthony Woods being the number one rusher in the league, 132 yards per game, and then Nick Romano being the number eight rusher, 79 yards per game, it's clear. Eck thinks the relative strength of this team is the run game. So I expect we're going to have another week of Idaho. Idaho's going to try to... kind of brutalize Montana on the ground to the extent they can, they might pass a little more in the first two, the first two possessions. Cause that's also been kind of normal for Idaho is pass a little bit more early, but then really lean on the run game, especially if they can get a lead and just keep the other team on ice. But is that, I mean, do you think that's something that this Idaho team is going to be able to do against Montana?
2: Man, it's so interesting because I mean, you watched the, the press conference on Monday, Bobby how It's so funny because I was asking him those questions because I was trying to write a story, like praising their defensive adjustments and and you know, saying, "Hey, we don't really know, we, we don't really know how to get pressure in this scheme. So, okay, we're gonna em- emphasize what we're really good at. That's tackling in space. They have exceptional tacklers in one on one situations in space, at, from their inside linebackers to their safeties. That's what they do so well. That, that's the old school niche of Coach Hauk. They do pursuit drill. More than a high school team. And that's why they run the ball like nobody's business. That's a priority in the culture of the program. That's awesome. And so I was asking him about, you know, maybe not having as much pressure from the inside guys so you could accentuate that. He didn't want to answer it. He didn't want to talk about it. He told me I was wrong. Okay, whatever. That's fine. But the point is, I don't know if that's a just a schematic thing against Davis in the second half that was a good adjustment or if that's going to be – Uh, A carryover thing, right? Are they going to look like in terms of pressure and all that like they did in 2022 or 2021 or whatever, or are they going to look like they did in the second half last week? I'm not sure. If they look like they do in the second half last week, then Montana, I think, is fine to get into a field position game, a ball control game, whatever. They're just going to try to sell the clock as well. So I guess I'll turn it around on you. If Montana's just running a bunch of zone read stuff and they're just trying to milk the clock as well and they're throwing all these screens and stuff how does idaho react to that like if this is both coaches wanting to run the play clock down to one where's the advantage or how do you think idaho reacts to that
0: well i think the first end is on the ground montana hasn't been particularly effective rushing for most of the season so like the you know the first part is idaho is going to try to stuff Montana on the ground and have the game look closer to NAU where Montana has a lot more, you know, second and twelves or, you know, or which sets up a third and nine.
2: You don't think the, 265 yards against Butler's impressive. <laughs>
0: <Jesus Christ>.
2: uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I had to No, Well, Hey, I'm look, we, we all love
0: Gordon Hayward over here, but, um, <laughs> Oh shit. Oh shit. Wrong sport. My bad. My bad. Uh, no i i'm i'm not sold on montana's rushing team look you you brought it up i talked about in the big sky podcast network power rankings last week that 85 yard that 85 yard rush that was that was eli gilman correct
2: oh sorry i mean i I was muted yes yeah that's correct yep that's
0: right yeah that 85 yard rush buttressed the overall yardage a ton because minus that they were right around three-ish, which, hey, a defense that holds an opposing team to three yards rushing per game is good, typically feels pretty damn good about that effort.
2: Here's the so craziest I'm, part about it, just just to, just to interrupt this for a second. Here's the craziest part, part about it. Eli Gilman's the most talented freshman in the league. He, he was the Minnesota Player of the Year. He leads the grizzly in rushing. It's mystifying that they haven't got him the ball in space like they did on that play, right? Like this guy. I mean, you guys saw the tweets that that went viral today. This guy's running 21 miles per hour. This guy is fast. He is tough. He's strong. He looks like he's 30 years old. He carries himself like he's 35 years old. He. I mean, he is a dude, and and he's been good. I mean, he rushed for 100 yards in the first game against Butler. He's leading their team in rushing. I, I just think it's 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 a uh, it's a referendum on what they've done offensively so far that he hasn't been put in space more often, but they, they did do that to win the game last week. So maybe give him some credit.
0: Well, Hey, one of our comments just hit this crew had 76 said, we meaning Idaho have problems with mobile QBs. We need to hit this guy early and often. I will say Clifton McDowell unique more so than Caden Bennett, I think is set is set to exploit what has been Idaho's weakness defensively, which is mm. Idaho has had difficulty with mobile QBs, but in particular, this team has had some weird lapses in tackling that okay. have, uh, that, that partially explain why Idaho well, has had trouble with some mobile QBs. And Slipped being a bigger dude is uh, – Th- that's slightly concerning to me, and I think that might be where Montana tries to lean a little bit more heavily this game than previous games.
2: Yeah, I, I, I guess i, I, I got to figure out how to phrase this. Clifton McDowell is a running QB. Clifton McDowell is not a mobile QB. It's, it's like Cody Hawkins said after the homecoming game against Idaho State. Clifton McDowell is the, the biggest, strongest power back in the league. He just happens to be able to throw a little bit. He's 6'4", 230, and all he does is run between the tackles. I mean, Andy Thompson told me that Caden Bennett is the fastest player on Sac State, and Sac State's whole program for the last five years has been built on speed. That's why they're the three-time defending Big Sky Conference champions. Caden Bennett runs four. Clifton McDowell is not in the top 20 fastest guys on Montana. That doesn't mean he's not fast or, or that he's not an effective runner, I should say. He is an effective runner. Because he's bruising, he's tough, he'll lower the pads, but he is not fast. So mobile QB tells me guys that extend – Giovanni McCoy is a mobile QB, right? He extends plays, he gets out in space, he can hit the guys when they're open after he's made the play last a little longer. McDowell's not really going to do that. He's just going to take the snap and he's going to bowl over you. So I do think it's a very interesting matchup with Idaho because even if they've struggled with mobile mobile QBs, I wouldn't say Clifton McDowell's a mobile QB.
0: Okay. your point taken, but he is a guy who on paper, you can understand how he could be effective running against Idaho. Um, and this is just another variable for Idaho defensively is at the, particularly at the linebacker spot. There is, there is a ton of youth that takes meaningful snaps for the Vandals. I mean, if you look at, look at the two deep for Idaho, Idaho's linebackers, we start true freshman Dylan Lane outside. I believe he, Dylan Lane shifted to the middle last week because Trey Thomas moved from middle to the to the outside. But we also have Eck Is He plays a lot in the middle. He's a true freshman. And then another guy who plays a lot outside, X-Ray Alexander, he's a true freshman as well. So that crew, I mean, I, I feel like you can see that crew getting better as they play more and more. Uh, but that... I think there have been times where part of why Idaho's looked like they have struggled tackling is you could probably just explain a little bit more way, explain it away a little bit more as a lot of these are freshmen who are in bigger spots than probably the team thought they would be. They're doing fine, but I mean, Coulter, how many, how many uh, teams that you've covered for Montana or just in the big sky are are thinking this deep into the season that they're going to be hosting a playoff game and the majority of their linebacking core are, True freshman or redshirt freshman?
2: It's an interesting question. I would like turn it back around and say, what team right now in the big sky has an elite defense?
0: I'd want to say Montana State, like statistically, but I also don't think they've truly been tested. out. Montana, Mon- they were Mon- tested against South Dakota State, but outside Mon- of that
2: one game. Montana State has the best defensive line in the conference, period, for sure. Because they they rotate numbers, they play this this awesome scheme where they all play off of each other. I think Sebastian Valdez is one of the best pro prospects in the league. Their back end is good. They have five corners that are all solid, and then two really good safeties who are both all-league caliber players. And their linebackers are are good. They're not not exceptional, but they're good. But – how good Weber has been on defense, how good Montana has been on defense, how good several of the other power programs. Like the league, it's always a pendulum. It swings back and forth, right? Copycat. What are we doing? Who's going to win it? Eastern set the tone for a little while. Then it went all the way to the other side. Okay, here's North Dakota State. We got to be like North Dakota State. Now it's back to being an offensive league. I guess the point is that Jason Eck has a profound understanding. That if you win 42 to 28 every week, you win. <laughs> and that's why the Jason X is yeah. a great coach.
0: Yeah, look, and I want to see, hit this in the comment section. Mike Colton, we saw Trey at Will slash Rover Saturday, and Eck and Alexander playing Mike. Rob has seen enough mobile QBs. I can imagine they won't... Uh, they won't get beat, beat this week. I'll be, they'll be ready, which is to say, part of why part of what Mike's saying without saying is part of why Idaho has also looked like they struggled with running QBs. Well, part of that's the Eastern game where it wasn't clear that Kiko Kiko Vesparis was not going to play, and then what Idaho had been prepping for the entire week was obviously not what we actually saw that Saturday. And I think if, if you subtract the first two and a half quarters of that Eastern game. Idaho doesn't look quite as weak against against running quarterbacks, or at least you know, big sky level running quarterbacks. I'm Not going to really hold the UC UC Berkeley game against Idaho too much, where they're competitive anyway. But uh, look, we're, Coulter, we're hitting the point where we have we need to go over score predictions for your own sake. I don't remember if you like if you do score predictions or not.
2: I mean, sort of. I don't know. I guess uh, you guys can do them, and I'll tell you if you're if I think you're on it or not.
0: Okay, and I'll give I'll give Martin a few seconds to think about his score prediction while we uh, hear from Hughes River Expedition, show sponsor of sponsor Around the Bar. They've been sponsoring the show forever. And look, here's the gist of it with Hughes River. If you at all want to see rapids, you want to see nature in the Northwest, you want to go on a multi-day trip down the middle fork of the salmon, the main salmon river, of no return, or the salmon river canyons, you need to get a hold of Colin. The trips for Hughes River expeditions, they're all inclusive. So it doesn't matter if you're a large group doing some sort of like corporate-ish style retreat, or if you're just a family who wants to have a kick-ass trip that you're gonna talk about for the rest of your life. Get a hold of Colin, call him at 800 262 1882 or check him out at Hughesriver.com. Martin, score prediction, dude.
1: Uh I kind of back and forth on some scores. I for right now I think I'm gonna go Idaho. With-
0: 35 Montana 20. I am feel man, you, you may have stolen what I want to do. I'm gonna go Idaho. I think it might, there's a chance it's a little bit lower scoring affair, though, just because both both teams are going to want to sit on the ball a little bit. I'm gonna go 31 21 Idaho.
2: Okay. Just, I, for,
1: just for just for to make sure Dallas gets his taken. He had Idaho at he had it as Idaho 35 17.
2: I have a question. Is sports gambling legal in Idaho? I don't Uh, think so, but I'm not entirely sure. I I was just wondering because it is in Montana, but the Montana lines are always really skewed. Like when it comes to the, the cats and the Grizz, because the book tries to juice them. Based on what the public's going to do, right? Like more people are going to bet for the Grizz and the Cats or against the Grizz and the Cats, depending on the emotion of the situation, whatever. Real quick, our crack research team, Taylor Cash, uh, I
0: placing a bet at an Idaho institution is not legal.
2: Okay, interesting. I was just wondering what the line was over there. The line in Montana opened at Idaho minus seven and a half. I thought that was super surprising. I thought it was going to be 13 and a half in favor of Idaho. I thought they'd be two touchdown favorites. I also thought the total was very surprising. The total opened at 54 and a half, which means that they're saying that Idaho is going to win, what, uh, 34 to 20 or whatever the math might be. Uh, And I agree with you guys. I think it's actually going to be a lower scoring game just because I think both sides are going to try to control the clock and and, uh, make it just, you know, more of a field position battle.
0: So on the record – you're saying our picks were not necessarily catastrophes.
2: No, I mean, <laughs> if you guys want a little gauge of what Grizz Nation is, I've heard from multiple people that think it's going to be like between 42 and 45 for Idaho and between 17 and 21 for the Grizz.
0: See, I, if we would have picked the the score two weeks ago, I would have been fine with that. But I feel like Montana's weathered what will be the worst storm of their season. And I, great I, point. Again, I I don't think Montana looked like some team that's going to make it to the final four of the playoffs against Davis, but look, Idaho last year struggled with the physicality of Davis. Like, this is not the exact same team, but that was a fact. That's one of the teams Idaho lost to in Moscow was Davis, well, and Grizz handled what you know, what Davis has offensively just fine. I mean, what was, was it essentially a shutout in the second half?
2: Three points, yeah. But I mean, they let Davis in the red zone one time. And that was when they basically forced the game winning turnovers. So yeah.
0: no, I mean asterisk Davis didn't have their top two running backs, but whatever. This deep into the season, everyone's gonna have injuries. That that story is just a reality no matter what. So all right, Coulter, you look like you're heading in. We're about to pick the big sky. Do you wanna stay on for this? Or you wanna jump uh, or you just wanna I'll, stay on you'll st-
2: I'll stay on for about five minutes because I, I am like at the left side of the Adam Center, I need to get to the right side. So I'll stay on this for a minute, and then uh, when I have to go in, I'll go in. Okay, Martin, we're just going to keep
0: rolling. We'll get to the next uh, Ad read when Coulter bails. So, Martin, tee us up. Uh, I'm an idiot. I don't have the outline in front of me. What's first non-Idaho Big Sky game we're talking?
1: Uh, We are going to go with UC Davis at Weber State.
0: Okay, Martin, you first. I know who you're going to pick.
1: Uh, Weber State. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> what?
0: Okay, Coulter,
1: you can explain. I'm not the serious one. person. I'm not the serious person on this team. I just pick for fun. Okay,
0: Coulter, pretend that Martin is being serious. Uh, you were I know who you're about to pick, but uh give us your take, UC Davis Weber. I mean,
2: I think We Weaver has fallen off a cliff. We Weber was the the I, I watched Weber in Ogden against Montana State, and Montana State's really good. Weber is non-existent. They're, they're irrelevant. I mean, I, I think that, like, the bottom tier of the big sky is Cal Poly and Northern Colorado all alone. But I was more impressed with Idaho State than I was with Weber State. And, and that is a compliment to Cody Hawkins and a complete referendum on what's going on at Weber State right now.
0: No, Weaver's reeling, including, hey, you talk about the 40-0 loss at home against Montana State, then needing a late pick six to beat Northern
2: Colorado. I mean, how and, many points did they scored in conference play? They got shut out by the Cats. They scored 10 last week against Northern Arizona, and then two of their touchdowns against Northern Colorado were defensive. They're averaging like seven offensive points per game in conference play.
0: No, and then against Northern Arizona, Weaver gained 180 total yards. I, said, I, mean, I, look, I said this on the, the power rankings, the The biggest deep play threat for Weber State right now is a pass interference call.
2: It's it's crazy because it, they don't have a talent problem. They have one of the best offensive lines in the league. They have great defensive talent. They have the best kicker turner in the country. They, I mean, I, I, I pointed this out to many Grizz fans that have been screaming and yelling about the Grizz offense. Imagine being Weber State. <laughs> I mean, Weber State has nothing offensively. It's crazy.
0: No, the, the quarterback, Kylan Weiser, two touchdowns, seven picks on the year, 53% completion percentage. But I mean, asterisk, he rarely throws the ball beyond 10 yards. He's 53% completion percentage on mostly short passes. So, uh, Coulter, I sense that you're like me and you're picking Weber to lose. You're picking Davis to rebound this week, which I'm picking Davis to rebound as well.
2: Definitely. Uh, okay. I think da- I actually think Davis is pretty talented. I think Davis is going to win this week.
0: Okay. I know that you're really sweating this one, Coulter, so, but we'll let Martin tee you up. Cal Poly finishes their just mer- their shitty as hell back-to-back weeks of number three, Idaho, then this week, traveling to Bozeman for number two, Montana State. Martin, who's going to win this?
1: Uh, well, I forgot to pick Dallas, did pick UC Davis. is a surprise to no one. I am going to go with Montana State and Dallas is going with Montana State as well.
0: Yeah, I, Coulter, I'm, I'm, I obviously we're both going Montana State. Forgive me for picking for you. What would be even the intrigue in your mind of watching this game?
2: Uh, <laughs> if, if Cal Poly can cover their 41 and a half point dogs, <laughs> that's, that's an insane number. Uh, and, and the total is 66 and a half so you're talking that if montana state won 56 to 10 they would barely cover and they wouldn't hit the total that is absolutely nuts when you're talking about sports gambling to me the only intrigue
0: is is um is Bo Kelly going to continue to start for Cal Poly? Sam Heward yeah. went down with a concussion against Portland State a couple weeks ago, but against non NAIA schools, Sam Heward hasn't exactly been lighting the world on fire.
2: No, so, uh, Paul, Paul Wolf told me today, I interviewed Paul Wolf today. I mean, anybody, I don't know if you have anybody in your audience who wants to hear Paul Wolf on my podcast tomorrow, but our ESPN radio show, he'll be on there. And uh, you can find it on Nuana's Now podcast. Uh, but he told me that Sam Heward is, is is expected to be back. Okay.
0: So there you go. Uh, a game that I, I'm actually intrigued with, Martin. Eastern Washington at Idaho State.
1: Patrick, you're not going to like this, but I am thinking Idaho State. And Dallas is went with Eastern.
0: Okay, Coulter, you have seen at least one full Idaho State game. I've seen a, I've seen a bit of Idaho State. I think they're for sure. Everyone should at least watch them play for a quarter. Yeah. But uh, okay, Eastern to Idaho State, Coulter. Uh,
2: first of all, Idaho State has a better quarterback than Montana or Weber State. That's crazy. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'm still saying Eastern Washington. Yeah, I'm saying Eastern one. I'm
0: no, I don't have news on Kiko Vasquez playing but it's more that I don't think I don't think Idaho state defensively has the talent yet uh, to slow down a team like Eastern. Um, I, I do think again, Idaho state's fun to watch. It's kind of weird. If Hunter Hayes plays, he didn't play last week. He didn't play against Montana, but Hunter Hayes is the only running threat for Idaho state. He can still pass, but when he, when he rotates in, he typically rushes Jordan cooks kind of fun to watch. Cause the dude has a, he has a cannon, but he's, he's still learning. Um, and Cody Hawkins, hey, it's year one of his rebuild, So I'm, I'm going Eastern Washington too. Okay, this is going to be the one that's toughest for me because NAU is the single team I've been worst at picking this year, Martin. Portland, top five Portland State. Have to bring that up. Top five Portland State at Northern
1: Arizona. I, I'm going to go NAU, and so is Dallas.
0: And Coulter has vanished. So we don't know if, if
1: he's coming back or not, but
0: we don't know if he's coming back. But hey, he's on his way to his concert. I'm going to pretend that he is not. I should pretend that he was offended at the uh, top five reference. <laughs> but uh, look, I'm going to go with Northern Arizona because I think Northern Arizona. If you look at only conference stats and ignore those first two ga- two games and two quarters, NAU played in the out of conference. Uh, NAU's been a it's been a different story. I mean, the main one defensively. Is that Northern Arizona? They've only allowed 18 points a game in Big Sky play, and look, offensively they're still kind of they're they're okay. They're mid-level to the conference, scoring 28 points a game, but only allowing 18. Now, part of that's buttressed off of playing Weber State, which right now absolutely pads any of your <laughs> any of your stats. There's Dallas Hammer, Brian. You made the top five joke, and he immediately left. But I think NAU's got some life. They're a little tougher defensively than you'd guess. They're clicking better offensively with Adam DeMonte. So I'm going northern Arizona. Before we get to the rest of the games, gotta talk about tap the keg. It's gonna be this Friday, October 13th, at three. Tickets are
1: very limited if they are still available. Be yeah. aware of that.
0: Yeah, from 3:30 p.m. to 7:30 p.m. at the Dan O'Brien track and field complex, just outside the Kibby Dome. If tickets are available, go to go.uidaho.edu backslash tap the keg to see. But, dude, it's a, it's an essentially Idaho Homecoming Oktoberfest. We've got Oktoberfest-inspired food vendors. There's going to be live music, a ton of different regional and local beer, ciders, and seltzers to taste. If you haven't bought your ticket, get them now. It's, it's this Friday. All right, Martin. I uh, We had to kind of sprint to get through a little bit of this, so we only have a couple games left to pick. But – um. One, it could not have ended better for Coulter to jump off right when that top five five joke was made. Uh, And Coulter's been a good sport. He knows about the top five joke, and uh, it's never going to go away. Next game, we have to pick Martin while I sort through the outline. um, Hashtag amateur hour.
1: Sac State at Northern Colorado. (laughs)
0: Okay, well, I look, I already know that Dallas picked Sacramento State. I know that Coulter would pick Sacramento State. Martin picked Sacramento State. So, I guess, here's the intrigue.
1: Brian, are you picking Northern Colorado? Are you gonna go wild card on us?
0: Oh, good God. There's no prayer. There's no prayer whatsoever that I'm picking Northern Colorado. Uh, but it's more that hey, Northern Colorado, they've for relative to being the Northern Colorado Bears. Like they're they're on by last week, so that there's no result to speak of. But last time they saw the field, they looked frisky against Weber State, losing 28-21. But I guess the thing to hold off, to take out of that is. Uh, Colorado state played the game of the year against a reeling Weber state team and lost. So no, Sacramento state is going to look just fine. They're going to score there somewhere between 31 and 37 points that they, they do every single week. And Northern Colorado is, uh, they're obviously looking ahead to rivalry week, uh, October 21st at Cal poly. So yeah, Sa- Sacramento state for sure. And we've already picked the Idaho game. So that's picking the big sky, uh, face planting into finishing. Look, before we close out, one, uh, if you guys have not purchased anything from Walk-On Apparel, walk-on.com, check out the Idaho selection. There's a special coupon for Tubbs listeners because Idaho fans and Tubbs listeners themselves have been such kick-ass patrons of of Walk-On. It's code T-U-B-S, all capitals and uh, get you 15% off. Uh, Walk On Apparel, They've it's run by the guys who who run Weber State Weekly. They have kick-ass designs, one of a kind licensed designs, which means you buy a shirt from Walk On, you're supporting Walk On, but hey, 10% of that goes to the University of Idaho Athletic Department. So support yourself with shirts that no one else is gonna have and support the athletic department. That's Walk On Apparel, uh, c- coupon code TUBS. We also have to say ours <laughs> keep join the um join, join our patron at uh, patreon.com backslash tubs at the club to join the hashtag only tubs discord. Uh, it's, it's been, it's blown up this year. It's especially road games. It's it explodes, but there's a ton of van. If you're a vandal who can't go to the game, you're going to watch on TV. Dude, j- chatting on the discord while a game goes it may- to me, it's, it makes the games that much more fun. Cause you have a ton of people who are into Idaho sports, all of them active the entire time. It doesn't have any of the garbage that most internet chat type of sites have because we don't allow it. And because our patrons are all cool and they're all smart and that's what it is. A bunch of cool, smart pe- people who are, who are into the vandals chatting. So
1: A very high IQ place.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, yes, uh, which is why one person isn't in it. But patreon.com backslash tubs the club. So Martin, hey, we slammed through everything. I just want to ask you now, because uh, you you're... Producer, you're in the background for the most part. Homecoming sold out, man, in year two of Jason Eck. How do you feel?
1: Really fucking good, and I wish it was Saturday already. That Saturday is going to be a very long day for me. I know I'll be in the alumni band wearing some of a noxious yellow shirt, so I am, I'm just excited. I wish it wasn't at 7.30 p.m., but hey, if that's what it takes to be on national TV, I am not going to complain about it. I'm just I, I can't stop repeating myself, but yeah, it's the excitement's immeasurable. So
0: I want to do one last thing that I have not done yet. I want to turn the last couple minutes into the northern Colorado of podcast episodes. We've been terrible about hitting the comment thread. so I'm gonna do a deep dive into the comment thread guys. I'm blindly scrolling back to when we stopped paying attention and uh. Hey, picking the game. Uh, most of our listeners are picking Idaho, but uh, shockingly, we have we have Ron, Ron Lowney talking about putting 77 on, on Cal Poly. Nate Mink says that uh, Montana State is going to, I don't even know how Montana State, what, what Nate Mink is saying here. So we're relatively two touchdowns better than Montana last season. Okay, we're moving on. Nate, I love you. I missed this in the thread. That's why I have no idea what I'm talking about. Hashtag Northern Colorado episodes. Captain second string cats over Cal Poly, 45-6. Taylor Cash, Mustang Minute. Yeah, that's what you got. Patty Firks, I think Eastern beats Idaho State by a few scores. Eastern matches up too well for this to be close. Crewhead, 76. If you weren't at the BJC game, that means Boise State, in 2006, the Colorado State game in 2009 are some of the older games, and we were good. You have no idea how loud the dome will be on Saturday night. Thank you. Thank you, CrewHead76. Yes, that's – dude, The it's the acoustics of the dome plus a bunch of screaming vandals, especially for winning. Yeah, dude, it's going to be a kick-ass environment. Jason Mayer picks Eastern to Pete, Idaho State, 42-17. to 17. Nick Stussman picks Idaho State, Tom Kendall, Eastern, 28, Idaho State, 21. Blindly scrolling forward to get towards the end, Martin. Uh Patty Firks talking about Portland State. This is another that Portland State is tingling for me, meaning he's uh, feels okay about Portland State at – an NAU Jason Mayer Portland State with a stunner with a stunner top five PSU 42 NAU 35 blindly scrolling down a little bit more Bart Holt I have an extra Idaho Montana ticket will make a good deal missing a D there okay hey get a hold of Bart Holt if you need a Montana ticket hey one last thing uh, friend of the pod Kevin Marshall from uh, FCS Nation Radio he's going to be in in Idaho to in Mo- Moscow to cover the game. He needs an assist because hotels are like $900 for two nights. So if there's anyone who's interested in whose game to host, uh, to host Kevin for a night or two in Moscow so that Idaho can get some more favorable coverage, by the way, he also wants to write an article published it on his website in support uh, talking about the corner club and especially what homecoming weekends mean to a place like the corner club. So supporting the corner club, uh, he, Get a hold of Tubbs the Club, either on Twitter at Tubbs the Club or email Tubbs the Club at gmail.com. We'll forward you to Kevin. But uh, if you can give Kevin an assist, you're giving Tubbs the Club an assist. I'm done blindly reading through the comments section, Martin. Forgive me. So uh, I'm stoked as hell for homecoming. If you're not stoked as hell from homecoming, I don't know what in God's name is wrong with you. Crazy that we're not even through year two. And this is what a big deal homecoming is. Two top 25 teams. Idaho's playing for playoff position at this point. Kevin are saying the Discord is a kick in the ass. Thank you, Kevin. That's damn right. It doesn't get much better than this right now, guys. Enjoy it while it's here. We're more than halfway through football season, which means we're closing on playoffs, but Idaho's got to pick up those wins beforehand. I'm going to let Martin play us out with whatever in God's name he picks. Thanks for joining us. 53 live listeners right now. Had more earlier. Go Vandals.
1: Go Vandals. I'll see you all online tomorrow.